0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Chad Kirshner, and I'm here today with my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben.
1: Greetings, Mirror Universe listeners.
0: (laughs) Greetings, indeed. Um, As you guys have clearly figured out, I'm not Sammy. Um, Where is Sammy? Sammy
1: is enjoying some much-needed time off in Jordan with his family, And I don't know if he's listening to this because he is disconnecting from from work, so as he should. But if he is, hello, Sammy, and we appreciate you even though you're not here. And uh, we also appreciate Chad stepping up For guest hosting purposes, this is the first guest host we've ever really had. I mean, Chad's been a guest on the show many times, but never assumed full hosting duties. So I'm very happy he was willing to do that. And uh, Chad, why don't you tell people why you're so qualified to be a guest host on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast?
0: Well, um, one, I believe that I have to be good friends to the hosts. There you Um, go. I feel like that's a real important thing. It definitely Um, is. Which of course, thank you of course for having me on. Um, I saw Sammy recently on a program, and I'm like, I really missed you guys, so I'm glad to be here. Um, Why am I qualified to talk about cars? Well, like you, um, I'm an automotive journalist. Uh, I run a EV centric website, EV plug-in hybrid, sort of centric website called EV Pulse. Um, We've got like a staff of people. We do video. Um, Some former people that Ben have worked with has worked with um, works with me. So. I don't know. I'm kind of trying to take over the universe, talking about cars.
1: He is. He's doing it from 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 his electrified stronghold, and he's uh, kicking ass. So, it, you everyone who is listening to this should check out EV Pulse. It should be your first place to go when you're trying to find out any info about anything that has a battery in it.
0: Well, second place to go because you got to go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. <laughs> well, I first. assume
1: they're already there. So, <laughs> you know, but um, it's interesting because honestly, the number of electric cars we have on this show has grown substantially over the last two or three years. I would say we're close to 40% now, maybe even half of what we drive is electric. And I think that's reflecting the lineup changes that we're seeing across the industry. And I want to give kudos to our listeners because we've been doing this podcast a long time, five or six years now, and we still have most of the same audience who have hung around with us through this change because these cars are just as interesting as the other cars we talk about, the gas-powered stuff, just in different ways. And we occasionally, we used to have people who would write in and express their displeasure at how many EVs we were covering, uh, but that doesn't happen nearly as much anymore. So I think that people are getting more accustomed to the idea that electric cars are pretty great for a lot of reasons, and they make sense for a number of of customers and they they're they're a good alternative slash moving into the mainstream more and more
0: yeah i think there's um i think it's well i think it's good that your audience is sort of willing to adapt and change uh because i have colleagues that work at other publications where their audiences aren't quite as uh, intelligent as yours <laughs> um but uh an ev isn't for everyone and it's definitely not for everyone yet yeah um, for sure you know, there's a lot of issues that you've brought up especially um your canadian listeners like if the if if i say the ev charging infrastructure isn't great in the united states it is significantly worse in canada and in, in
1: parts of canada like, so in quebec where i live it's excellent but if you leave and go to ontario which has A larger population and a bigger city, Toronto, it's nowhere near as good as it is in Montreal, which is crazy to me.
0: Yeah. Um, And I know that you recently, not real recently, but I know that you recently-ish had a level two installed at home, which obviously helps make evaluating the cars easier. Um, But it's also really sort of how most people right now have that experience uh, you know i we as automotive journalists are and rightfully so focused on public infrastructure because that needs to get better and unless people keep on electrify america electrify canada EVgo, go charge point like if we're not keeping them honest they're never going to make their stuff better. So I think that that's very important for us to talk about. But we definitely over-index on talking about that because most people, 80% of EV owners now charge exclusively at home, and those other 20% are only seldomly using the public charging infrastructure. And while I think we gravitate a lot on how a renter deals with the EV purchase problem and living with problem in the United United States. That's 35% of Americans, which is a big number. It's a huge number, but there's 65% that are sort of primed to steal a Toyota term to, (laughs) uh, to make this transition, to make this adoption. Um, and we're still very early in this process. So I think that it's okay for an automaker to say, look, I want to go after a buyer that probably does own their own home like i think that's okay and i think that's also okay to say to um somebody who rents now who maybe can't have home charging to say look you know i'm sorry it's it kind of stinks but maybe an ev isn't right for you right now maybe a really good hybrid is a much better solution for your particular your lifestyle and place in the life for sure. Now, and,
1: and I think, I think a lot too about how, so, you know, we're getting a, a, a number of EV trucks over the last couple of years and the ne- the next couple of years there it's, it's, I, I would say every, auto, every major truck manufacturer except for Toyota and I guess Nissan, although they're not really a major is playing with an, an EV vehicle, a full size vehicle and, and trying to see how that's going to play out. But for someone like me who tows with their truck, this is mm-hmm. a non-starter, right? Yes. And that doesn't mean that EV trucks are bad, but it means that someone like me who is interested in EVs, has a charger at home, isn't going to fall into that customer base. And that's okay right. because not, as you said so eloquently, not all vehicles are for everybody. Like I don't have a family. I don't need a back seat. I have a car right. that doesn't have a back seat in my garage. You know, again, not for everybody. And I think that sometimes people feel kind of irritated when they see things like government mandates about, By 2035, we won't have any uh, gas powered cars for sale in Europe or whatever the current number, the current date is. And that feels like, uh, you know, threatening. And I yes. I can understand that. It's like, oh, I have to get on board by then. My my entire lifestyle now revolves around a gas car. I'm gonna have to change all of that in like 10 to 15 years. That's that's frustrating, that's irritating, and I can I can understand how those mandates don't help. You know what mm-hmm. I mean?
0: I would I would like to say one thing about that before we start talking about cars, though, is the first North American sort of EV mandate that I'm really aware of is California's claim that they want to have all new vehicles sold in 2035 be electric. Um there is already an exclusion cut out for PHEVs. Okay. So uh it's not um it isn't it, it's it's not as you know dead set as maybe some people think or and they, and or he's... the messaging. But also also the one other thing I'd like to point out though is that is if in 2035 we just stopped selling gas cars altogether. The average age of a used car on the road right now is 11, 12 years. Yeah. So you're really probably not going to be anywhere near even close to being forced until 2045, 2050. Um and even at that point like it's still going to be I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I don't see only EVs being on sale in my lifetime. And I'm hoping that I don't die next week. But like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be full disclosure. I'm gonna be 40 this year. Um, I think. I hope I've got you know at least another 30 years. Statistically, in May. <laughs> statistically
1: that seems likely.
0: Um, to where. I still don't know if I, I would see the day where you walk in and you only buy – you can only buy an EV. Yeah, I uh, I
1: agree. I feel like uh, fossil fuels will be in the mix for quite a while, How however that mix shakes out. And I, I also want to point out that you know a great automotive journalist and friend of the show, Alana Scher, recently bought a 1915 Dodge that she and her husband are driving around Los Angeles. That car – is over 100 years old, right? <laughs> and it's still running and it still works. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's a bit of an outlier, but just to show that, like, the, the automotive universe is enormous at this
0: point, like, well, there's
1: so much choice out
0: there. Yeah, and YouTube commenters like to, to. Uh, so Craig Cole works for me, he does a lot of our YouTube videos, which he's a former vertical scoper. I mean, you obviously know him, yeah, of course, more for, more for the audience. Um, people love to go to our YouTube channel and say that he's not a car enthusiast because he talks only about electrics now. I mean, he has a 36 Ford that he restored with his dad. Like yeah. it is the most gangster car I think I've ever ridden, <laughs> it, which is totally cool. Woodward dream cruise, you know, when everybody's in, you know, sixties or seventies muscle cars and you're driving around in a 36 Ford, like I need a, I need a Tommy gun in you <laughs> know, in a violin case or a cello case or whatever. Like, and, um, He's totally an enthusiast. And I think that, you know, maybe fossil fuels will change. You know, Porsche is obviously working pretty hard on... Um, synthetic fuels.
1: They're very into their fuel that is horribly in, horrible to make, <laughs> but burns it's, clean. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> but it's
0: it's it's so for their audience because yes. Porsche, like, you can go buy replacement radios for like your '70s and '80s Porsche. You can add CarPlay, but have uh, the the head unit look like it belonged in the car in that era. Like Porsche does so much work to keep their their vintage. Owners happy. And so does Mercedes Benz. You know, mm-hmm.
1: these companies that have this long heritage that have equally strong and robust restoration and support programs. Yes. Um, American automakers used to have that. That used to be a thing. It's less and less of a thing, unfortunately. And that's just an economic reality. It's. Keeping parts around is expensive, especially mm-hmm. if they're not being used um, all that often and they're just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Like, I'm at the point now where I have trouble getting parts from my Cadillac and my Cadillac is only 18 years old. Right. So, uh, but I, I, I can't go to GM and say, I want to talk to the Cadillac Heritage Program people and, yep. and order a driveshaft. You know what I mean? But you could do that if you had a 911 or if you had yep. an, an SL.
0: And that's and that's where I think synthetic fuels makes so much sense for them because they want those owners to still be able to drive those cars. For sure, even even when Porsche's entire lineup will be all electric, which I think they're saying twenty thirty for all new Porsches. And then you um, look
1: at you look at a company like Jaguar, which has yeah. similar support programs, but it's kind of gone in another direction where they will actually EV uh, EV transplant your E Type. But they'll do it yep. in such a way that if you ever want to go back to the gas engine, it's completely reversible with no w- w- no ill effects. Basically, Right.
0: that's cool. Have you ever driven um, maybe not an e type EV, but have you ever driven like a an old Volkswagen bus that has the EV conversion done to no, that? No, I haven't. Makes the it makes it so much nicer. Like it just Wait, it, it makes it a car. Like it makes yeah. it reliable. <laughs> it makes it a reliable, reasonably solid performance kind of car. But like it just. It, it it changes the experience in such a way that it, it makes you feel like, why didn't this vehicle ship with this powertrain? I feel the same way about MINI, actually. I really like the MINI electric. Um, yes, there have been some good gas motors um, in those cars, but the first time I drove the MINI SE, I'm like, gosh, this just makes so much sense. Wh- it just is- feels right. And not every electric car feels right no. that way, but that one feels just Right.
1: And, and one, one thing I think about, you know, talking about these conversions is I, I've, I've said this on the, the show in the past. I've already converted my own Jeep, my, my 35-year-old Jeep, from its horribly inefficient and relatively unusable AMC engine to a modern LS V8. And I have no qualms 15 years from now putting a full EV platform in that same Jeep. I'm prepared to do that. Because I enjoy driving that vehicle, and I'm sure I would enjoy it just as much if it had four hundred horsepower from a pair of electric motors. Like I don't right. I don't have a problem with it for me, the experience is more than just the drivetrain. I have cars where I probably don't feel that way, but with that one, I can see myself doing. Like you said, not all electric cars make sense, but that one right. I think
0: does. yeah, one that doesn't so much. The Hummer, but you know,
1: yeah, no. I mean, which, you know. I would argue that almost all of the—I mean, we're getting a little off-topic, but all of those electric trucks are nonsensical vehicles in a lot of ways, and they're sure. kind of leading the pack because their architecture allows for giant batteries. Because
0: we haven't figured out efficiency yet, right? And there's some inter- there's some very interesting things happening there, which is probably for a completely different episode of this podcast. But um, you know, what does God need with a starship? But also, <laughs> all of these. Like, the Lightning is my favorite F-150, though. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand the technical limitations of the battery, and especially when you're towing, you know, you lose this amount of range and stuff like that. But it has an independent rear suspension. The center of gravity is a little bit lower. Like, it, it rides nicer. It's a nice... It's just a nice experience but the, and, and, and then
1: I'm thinking about that and I have one coming um, to I have one booked to drive in two weeks from now and mm-hmm. that weekend that I have the vehicle I'm going to rural New York for just just to get away for a weekend Sure I can't bring the lightning with me because it just it won't work charging wise just in that part of the world it's it's one of those areas where the use yep. case and and even if i did find charging i wouldn't find fast charging and the battery is so huge on the f-150 right that it doesn't necessarily make sense to plug it into a yeah. level two unless you're going to be there overnight
0: yeah and that's and that's a conversation we don't have either like uh this upcoming ram pickup to help deal with that range while towing problem puts a 229 kilowatt hour battery wow. in the long range of that car. That is heavier than the Hummer. That's bigger than the Hummer battery. That's,
1: that is more than twice the size of the battery I had in the i7 a couple of weeks ago during mm-hmm. the ice storm, which I almost didn't need to charge during <laughs> that entire time my power was out. Right.
0: So like, that's yeah. crazy to think about. Um, And it's, it's absolutely, but, but think about a level two charger, a typical home level two charger, uh, on a modern sort of house with a modern, uh, power panel, um, is roughly seven kilowatts. Yes. That's a, that's 10 hours for 70 kilowatts. That's 20 hours for 140 kilowatts. That's yep. 40 hours for 280 kilowatts. So, you know, you're looking at like 30 hours of charge time for that, that, that Ram pickup truck. If you if, ever let it get down to empty, it, yeah, it might be a hassle. Need, and you need to charge it. So, of course, the Ram will support 19.2 kilowatts from a home AC charger. uh The push can supports that. Bad example, but they does support it. And a lot of these newer EVs are starting to support that much higher speed. But they have to because otherwise, these these large battery packs won't be able to charge in time. It, and it, it would
1: be like trying to fill the tank of a modern vehicle with a thimble full of gasoline. And doing yeah. it over and over and over and over
0: you know like that's rough yeah, or, or we pulling or pulling up to a diesel pump uh with a cruise ship <laughs>
1: yeah. you know and
0: trying to like it it doesn't it so right now and like i said there's some cool battery tech coming but like right now for these bigger vehicles t- to solve the quote-unquote range problem is to throw a massive battery in it yeah and what i find interesting and this is a segue watch watch how professional the segue <laughs> is um I, I just recently actually spent a little more time in it today as we're recording this. on um, The Hyundai Ioniq 6, which with 77.4 kilowatt hours, will do 361 miles on its high range version. That is 4.7 miles per kilowatt hour. And that is, by my math, the most efficient sedan that you can buy in the US right now. And now how are um, they how are they doing that? So I'm assuming it's a combination of
1: materials choice, aerodynamics, and drivetrain programming.
0: So um arrow is honestly it's most of it. Uh, so it's a sedan instead of a compact crossover. But it's not a normal uh, looking sedan, right? Like it has kind oh, of a Oh no, so so obviously we're going to talk about the Ionic 6, um which has a as a really I think it has a real cyberpunk look going for it. So they took sort of the, the pixelation of the ionic five. Yes. uh, And, and sort of render, you know, visualize that as sort of, how would that look as a sedan? Um, It's based on the uh, Hyundai precept concept from a couple of years back. Um, but it it does their whole parametric pixel design in terms of the headlights and taillights and stuff like that. Um in the front it looks weird in the back it looks like a <laughs> 70s 911 kind of cuz it's got this duckbill like kind of wing and that hunch to the haunches. Yeah, and it's got this hunch in it's I I don't find it classically pretty but I really like how it looks especially it's... from especially from the rear three quarter angle. Um, and they do some really cool tricks with the LEDs, like the, the center mount stop lamp and stuff like that. Like it, it, we'll get more of that in a second. But basically, because they could, because it's got this big wing, because they've got this sedan's design, um, it has it has with real rearview mirrors a center or a coefficient of drag of 0.22. and that's um,
1: less than the Prius, right?
0: It is. Um, and in countries where you can do a digital outside mirrors, where you can do camera mirrors, that drops to 0.21. Okay. So in a rear drive setup where they only have to use one motor, those tend to be a little bit more efficient, um, and, and running just a, a larger battery pack, the seventy seven point four kilowatt hour battery pack, uh eighteen inch wheels with 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 interesting looking arrow covers, but like with arrow covers. Like yeah. You know, we're not going to 20s. We're not going to 21s. I don't know if you've talked to your audience about the range difference between like oh, yeah. an, I, an i4 with 20s compared to an i4 with 21s. It's it's, it's,
1: it's like 50 to 60 miles. It, and it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a real issue. And and it's nice to see a car company recognizing that and designing that into the car instead of designing a car that only looks good with big wheels. And right. then being like, if you want the one that looks good, you're going to have to pay a penalty at the, in terms of range.
0: Yeah, designers have always just like, oh, we got to put bigger wheels on it. We got to put bigger wheels on it. Yeah. Well, bigger wheels aren't efficient. So, um, so they add the efficiency of the wheels, the efficiency of the sedan design, the efficiency of the wing and the air uh, the wind tunnel, and stuff like that. They're not doing any advanced battery chemistry. there's nothing new about that. Obviously, they've got their own software kind of controlling everything, but they're you know they're making a pretty ambitious claim on range and they're pricing in the u s right now, I think is with delivery like forty six grand, which is admittedly five grand more than a model three as of two days ago, but they They do it in such a a good way. And um you're talking about this efficiency. That's a different way to solve the problem. Make a more aerodynamic vehicle. I don't think we're going to see the resurgence of sedans, But if you really want an e v that's efficient, buy a sedan for sure. because all these little arrow things that you the benefits you get um on a sedan normally, pay dividends at a much higher level on an electric vehicle than they would on a gas powered.
1: Every inch that you bring the the bottom the base of the car closer to the pavement is going to pay off when it comes to aero and that's going to give you more miles to drive. I mean it's it's just simple math and then every every efficiency you can make in terms of the shape and and the bulk the the mm-hmm. the, the frontal area of a vehicle. I mean the an F150 they can do A lot to improve the aerodynamics, but you're still looking at a boot shaped vehicle that is going to be pushing the wind instead of cutting through it. And frontal area makes a huge difference on these automobiles.
0: And I think the Ionic 6 does a better job than like the Mercedes EQ sedans in terms of appearance. Oh, for Um, sure. I mean, this is
1: regardless of, I mean, the rear is unusual, the front is unusual, but when you look at this car, you think about it. You don't just mm-hmm. your eyes don't just scan past it as you look at the next car on the rental lot. You know what I mean? Which right. is, I think the EQS, both the sedan and the SUV, are very unfortunately bland.
0: Yes. Oh, absolutely. And you know, Mercedes is doing some clever stuff with electronics and stuff, but yeah, the cars just look boring. And this, the Ionic Six looks interesting. Whether you like it, whether you think it's ugly, whatever, like it looks interesting um it draws your eye to it um it's going to deliver even in the worst trim which is the all-wheel drive 20 inch version with all the extra weight from all the accessories and stuff is still 270 miles yeah um which is still pretty good it's still pretty good and it's an egmp car so it charges at 235 kilowatts so that's 10 to 80 percent in 18 minutes i've done it in 18 minutes we've independently verified that um it's so great at that stuff but what else is really clever with this car um and if your audience hasn't figured out i like this car a lot but um (laughs) what they've done really clever with the car is it's bigger than it looks and the inside is almost like a tardis in terms of just you you start to wonder how much how they fit so much space in there so at 510 and i'm not a small human um the I can put the driver's seat in my driving position and I can sit comfortably behind it. It's almost like S class rear seat space.
1: That is wild. because it does not look like that from the outside. It doesn't.
0: And it doesn't. And I have a decent amount of headroom too, even with a sunroof in there. I don't, I, I, I've, I've become so accustomed to sedans with a swoopy rear window to cut in on your rear seat headroom. I mean, even something like a model three does, um, you know, cut in your rear seat headroom, uh, not have a lot of room to stretch your legs out and this car just I don't I mean I know how they do it. They push the wheels out as far as they possibly can. But they've managed to to do that in a way that you can fit like four good sized adults in there more than comfortably for long periods of time. Like it's an extremely practical car. Um they they sacrificed some trunk space for it. Um, the id7 for I'm pretty sure the upcoming id7 will have almost like twice the amount of cubic cubic foot capacity but man it's such a it's a nice car to drive it drives better than the ionic 5 it because it feels it feels more planted it's a little bit better tuned um, suspension. Handles bumps a little bit better. It feels a little sportier. It kind of feels like an EV six. Okay. Um, just with a lower center of gravity. Now, um, one thing that I find
1: interesting um, about what Hyundai's doing with Ionic as well is you, you just brought up the other members of the family. Mm-hmm. Is unlike Mercedes, they're willing to let them look different. Yes. It, like there are. There are cues that carry over, but if you were to park an Ionic Five and an Ionic Six side by side, these are clearly aimed at different people they from are. a styling perspective, and I think that that's a not just a brave thing to do, but a smart thing to do because it's odd to me that you know we're really picking on Mercedes here, but all of their EQ series cars look like they were optimized for the wind tunnel and that's it. No real thought given to personality. No real Mm -hmm. thought given to the buyer who's buying them. Just that like someone who wants an EV luxury car, this is what you're going to buy because this is what's available. And then you look at what Hyundai is doing and they're like, you know what? People who buy EVs, also want other things it's not that's not the only aspect of a car that's important to them so they give them real choice from a styling perspective but while maintaining the ionic family name i think is a smart move
0: yeah and and stylistically like they just ooze with personality yeah and um you know it's it's, i think there's a bigger discussion about okay what happens when all the cars are electric are they all ionics you know that i don't know but um you're absolutely right. The Ionic Five and Ionic Six look different, but you could still tell they're from the same family. Yes. Like, they're the, the in some ways they're both cyberpunk, in some ways they're both you know, retro future. Um, but yeah, like if you like, there's a reason why the Ionic Five won as many awards as it did, and I think there's also the same number of reasons why it's winning. Ionic Six is winning awards, and it's it it's for each car is obviously for a different buyer, but they really honed in who that buyer is. And the only thing that I don't really – that I wish they would do better design-wise is I don't think the interiors match up to the, the kind of the craziness of the exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, Ionic 6 does a little bit better. Um, they, they bring in a lot of different ambient lighting uh, and preset ambient lighting combinations in a, in a way that Mercedes does. In, I don't think they do it quite as well as Mercedes – but they're really they're very clearly targeting Mercedes-Benz for their interior uh, ambient lighting and stuff like that to really kind of give you that again that cyberpunk feel at night and um I just wish, like, when you climb in the Ionic 5, I wish the interior was a little bit more wild because it's just so wild outside. And, and it's I'm, like, eh, it's a normal car inside.
1: I'm assuming the reason we're not getting a rear wiper on any Ionic is probably Aero as well, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah that's because uh, t- Toyota doesn't do it on the BZ, BZ4X, uh, uh Lexus RZ. It is um, such a problem here in the winter. I know.
1: Ioni- I've, it's the number one complaint of Ionic owners that I've encountered out on the road at charging right. stations. That and the door yeah. handles. They don't like the door handles either.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... Does I, pop-out door handles? I don't know. I, you know, I think there's still possibly some issues or some things that they could fix, and I don't know why there's no wiper. I I know it's Arrow. I do. I know the answer. But is that extra uh, 0.1 kilowatt hour worth losing the wiper for it i'd and say i'd no, say no i'd say no either and
1: you know what make it an option do your epa testing without it and then put it on for people who want it make it a one dollar option and yeah. you, you can advertise the car at whatever you want and i don't think most people are going to be out there granularly measuring their range to the point where they have a problem with that wiper
0: right just like just like uh i would love somebody to do the math on the difference between 0.21 cd (laughs) and 0.22 like oh we got to go to these digital outside mirrors because it helps with efficiency i'm like well what is a 0.01 coefficient of drag difference in terms of range or whatever it can't it it can't be much i know collectively everything added together but i don't know I'm kind yeah. of okay with I'm kind of okay with real mirrors, and they're good sized mirrors from the car. They didn't make them obnoxiously small for That's the sake nice. of era. Like they they work, and you know if you get the higher trim ones, it has the cameras in the instrument cluster, so you can see your blind spots. And I don't. It's the the Koreans collectively are are I think killing it in a lot of ways. Yeah. and in in their EVs there's so much personality in some of these cars uh you know i think the ionics have oozed this exterior personality that is just you know they they clearly know their buyer um ionic 6 i think drives a little bit better it's more of the driver's focused car but then you know you look at kia like the ev6 is between that and the ionic 5 i feel like the ev6 is the better driver's car um the ev6 gt i i, I didn't think it had the fizz hmm. i thought it's competently a very good car but it didn't didn't it, do it, it didn't, for you. It didn't do the fizz, but um, you know, ionic N is coming. I've been assured that it has fizz, but I'm sure it will be the, intense. <laughs> uh, but like, there's and then Genesis. Yeah, like, look so at the, the, the GB60 you can get in lime green with like this blue interior and like that's amazing.
1: Well, I wanted to bring up, you know, I'm glad that you're
0: mentioning the Koreans because
1: one thing that Really stands out to me when I see cars like the Otic and the 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 Kia EV, um, and now we're talking about Genesis. Is that Hyundai has a lot of money to spend? Yes. they are willing to spend it. They are willing to burn that cash because they're not selling. I, I believe they're selling about three um, thousand. This so far this year, they've, uh, Genesis or Hyundai in general has sold like three thousand. I can't remember which number it was. I saw today, but uh, EVs in total, mm-hmm. which is which is not a large number. So this is they're willing to eat all of that expenditure while they build a market, not just for the yep. Genesis brand, which is still very new, but also electric cars. And they're doing this in a way that we haven't seen on the car market since Toyota bought its way into the luxury segment with Lexus in the early 90s, which was right. another huge expenditure that paid them dividends down the road. Um Lincoln hasn't done this. Cadillac really hasn't done it either. And then you start looking at Acura, Buick, et cetera. These are all companies that have tried to do premium, kind of not on the cheap, but in a way that's affordable for the bottom line. I don't think Hyundai cares about the bottom line. I think they haven't. The, the, the overarching corporate strategy is we're going to spend until we have a sustainable business model and they're comfortable right. with those losses. And it's fantastic to see these vehicles. Now, I know that you recently drove another uh, Hyundai-related EV, and so did I. And they're both very mm-hmm. similar. You, you, I believe you drove the Jet GV70 EV, or electri- electrified GV70, and I yeah. drove the electrified G80, which is essentially the same drivetrain, I believe, but in a sedan versus an SUV.
0: It is. And what's interesting about those cars is um, that... They are utilizing the EGMP hardware. Yes. So it's not a, it's not the platform, but they're using the motors and the battery and the charging. So the car you were in, the the G V seventy that I've driven, which I think Sammy talked about a couple of weeks back, like those are they still charge at 235 kilowatts. They'll do this the 10 to 80 in 18 minutes. They're they're not they're doing something that the Germans told us was impossible, which was <laughs> – I remember Volkswagen very specifically saying, well, one, that their diesel are clean. But, um, <laughs> but more recently, they're like, we cannot do 800 volts affordably. Which is why Taycan and the Porsches, the future Porsches will all be 800 volt. It's why e GT is 800 volt. But when you get down to ID4 and you know upcoming ID Buzz and stuff like that, we just you know we can't do this 800 volt architecture. So we can't do this rapid charging, and we just can't afford to do it. It's it's impossible to do it, and. Then the Koreans are like, hold my, you know, hold my, hold my soju. Yeah. And and, and
1: it's, I think that, you know, if you look at Volkswagen, they didn't turn a profit in North America for like 15, 18 years, something like that. Like the early 2000s to the late 2000 teens. I, I, I still think they had like one profitable year out of all of that. And I feel like. From a corporate perspective, when that company looks at America, which is I think driving a lot of the EV adoption right now, um, they look at America and they're like, "There's no way our brand has the cachet to start making any kind of money on these cars anytime soon." And they're dragging their feet because they don't want to do the investment that Hyundai doesn't seem to care about. Hyundai yeah, is like,
0: the, we, "We're in, we're all in." And, and if you're gonna have if you're gonna have to do it anyways, why not do it now? I mean, especially when, especially when they started to do it, you know, money was cheaper. Like it, there's, yes, it's a big pain up front, but now they're going to be ahead. And you're dictating the
1: terms of the market that everyone else is going to have to catch up to.
0: Yeah. I mean, even like ID7, which will charge up to 200 kilowatts, the Mercedes stuff will charge 200 kilowatts. I know we don't focus on peak as much anymore, but like the, the, all these, all of these EGMP cars are 235 and can easily go to 350 if, you know, once battery voltage, you know, ups with, with larger packs. Like, and it's, I, you know, I don't want to rehash sort of like what, what, you know, Sammy talked about with the GV70, but like, it's just Hyundai has seemed to figure, they figured the product out. Um, really good friend of mine is now works uh with claudia at genesis on the marketing side of things and um you know there's there's some stuff i think that they need to figure out there but especially because i think genesis dealers should be standalone the way lexus dealers are are standalone i would um, agree
1: with you but i believe that's a fight they had with their own dealers that yeah, has yet to be I'm, resolved
0: I'm, yeah and i know genesis in canada is a little different but it's it the products are so killer they're spending that money now and i think genesis is doing some smart things like in 2025 they will no longer introduce new cars with gas motors and then by 2030 every single car that they sell will be will be an ev and that's going to be you know they may not beat mercedes to a full ev lineup but they're going to be close and
1: And that's fascinating you know like these this is the new kids on the block and they're they're making an effort. And, and it, it's so sad for me to look at Acura and Lexus mm-hmm. and re- look at the stasis in those lineups yeah. and the engineering prowess that exists within those companies and see it not be directed towards similar goals or, you know, not be directed towards taking over the market. A lot of it really feels like treading water. And as yes. Genesis is the first luxury brand that we've had, the first new luxury brand in 30 years. But also I think the first brand that really came in and said, we're not interested in being as good. We're interested in taking market share from other people. And, yep. and to do that, we're going to have, it's going to be expensive and we're going to have to be better.
0: And they're going after they're going after customers that that the Japanese automakers don't necessarily traditionally look at. And they're I I mean, again, a really good friend of mine works in marketing at Genesis. So it probably sounds like I'm being a little bit of a fanboy. <laughs> this is a very pro Genesis podcast. But, but I was I was so I was so happy when she called me and said that she was going to Genesis because I'm like, my goodness, they've got the product like yeah. that's that's. It's and they're doing some they're doing some extremely clever stuff, and you know they're making a bold statement with their electrification strategy that I think Infinity should have done. I think Infinity should have said, "Oh, we're just going to go all electric right now, like and just do it." Because they're because, already low volume, right. so what does it matter? You know, right. like this exactly. Is,
1: I I don't understand the philosophies like. It's it's hard to look at Infinity as a brand and and understand where they want to be going because the direction yep. isn't clear. It, it, maybe it once was, but over the last decade it it's it's really become obscure as to what that brand aspires to be. Acura, a little less obscure, but still strange. Like, are they the Japanese Buick? Like, is right, that
0: really true, but... what they want to be? Yeah. And, you know, they're doing a couple of, I guess, interesting things with their gas cars. I mean, I think Integra Type S is appealing. But, you know, I had a, I had an 04S2000. It was one of the best cars I've ever had. And that's back when, like, Honda could do no wrong. And yeah. they were engineering the crap out of stuff. And they were fun. And now it's just... I... I don't know, and it kind of makes me kind of sad to kind of say that because, like, you know, Honda's first EV is going to be on Ultium, on GM's Ultium platform. You know, eventually they'll have their own stuff, but like the Ultium rollout hasn't been as smooth as as General Motors would have liked. I mean, there were two Hummers sold in the first quarter of this year, less than a thousand lyrics. There's no all-wheel drive lyrics on sale yet. When wow. we were promised, you know, when we were promised this year, like there's you know and these are these are real issues you gotta sell
1: vehicles that people want even if they're electric they have to be what the people want from an electric car
0: and you know in my little rinky dink town i saw lightning when i was driving home today like you know ford is selling stuff that people is buying ford's selling Uh, a lot of maquis too yeah yeah the koreans are they're they're betting a lot on evs you know maybe a little too early if there is a lithium shortage whatever but like you know they're 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 making the investments now, so they don't have to do them later. And then you're right; they are dictating the market. They're coming out with with pre, you know premium range, premium charging speeds. Um, yeah, the dealers probably are still a little bit behind in terms of a premium shopping experience, whether it's Hyundai or whether it's Genesis. Um, but ugh, they're just. I I wish there was. I wish they had some competition. Yeah, know, Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai Motor is like just competing with themselves at this point, point. and I, I I feel like you know Ford's going to give them a pretty good run for their money. I think, and if GM can figure out their Ultium, whatever their Ultium issues yeah, we'll, are, right? When now, we start
1: getting like Equinox and Blazer and that yep. kind of stuff,
0: and that could be fun, but like it, it'll be the you know it'll be the North American versus the Koreans, you know, with some some German where they typically are. And where are these Japanese automakers? Where are they? they're so far behind, and and, and
1: and none of this has come at the expense of Hyundai's internal combustion product because no. that is another area where they continue to make very competitive vehicles at a very yep. good price. So when when we when companies like Toyota say, well, you know, we're betting on a future that's just PHEV. Um, and we don't think gas engines are going anywhere. No one is asking Toyota to stop making <laughs> right. Like they could continue yep. to make the vehicles they believe in while also serving a market that does exist with more than what is essentially a compliance vehicle that hasn't been well received, isn't oh. exactly competitive at its price point, and has had a kind of a
0: problem-plagued launch with the BZ. Like The BZ4X is trash. Oh, but- wow. It's, but what's what's really interesting about that though is the rz i drove the rz earlier yes. this year did you get to yoke it did it have a yoke i did it had the yoke oh, i actually wow. liked i liked the yoke i didn't like the yoke part of the yoke but stay i like stay on the target <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what it makes me think every time i see it
0: luke you've turned off your targeting
1: computer
0: <laughs> I love how that movie would not have worked if Luke didn't have the Force. Like, the Force is how the proton torpedoes were actually able to hit the target. It was, it had to be Luke Skywalker. It couldn't have been anybody else. I digress. Um, But, yeah. But that extra six months that the RZ, I'm sorry, RZ, had to to bake (laughs) um, really did wonders for that car. Um, It is a much nicer car. It feels like an electric RX instead of a compliance car. So I think that... They can do it. Oh, of course they can. If they want to
1: do it, Toyota could make Toyota. Like I've made the the argument I make about Toyota all the time is they could make the best full size pickup on the market, and they have the resources, the know how, the experience, and they choose not to. They choose to make a an okay truck that does everything a truck needs to do and doesn't stand out in any important way. And that Mm -hmm. to me is. Is a weird guiding philosophy at Toyota. Sammy and I in a recent podcast talked about how they leave product on the market for so long because it, it sells. And yep. they're unwilling to invest the in changing a product that clearly already has a market. Um, and it's, it's not a strategy that serves them well when we talk about EVs because they can't leave a product on the market for a long time because they don't have that product. And they're unwilling to
0: take the steps required to get there. And they kind of, on certain products, they kind of limp wrist their way into it. Like the hybrid Tacoma is not efficient at all. And the hybrid F-150 is. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, guys, you came out later. You saw what your competitors were doing. Why am I still only getting 18 miles to the gallon? I mean, GM,
1: uh, GM had a relatively efficient hybrid Silverado in the 2000s. that was Indeed. Doing, it was doing like 25% better fuel mileage around town. That's not right. a small number. You know, yeah. and that was a long time ago,
0: right? And that wasn't a particularly good
1: hybrid, but no, like it, but, it, it, but it did. It did what a hybrid is supposed to do, right? right? It was. It wasn't just a hybrid in name only to say, yep. "Oh, we have a battery in here." Yeah, it was like, it. "Here's the best we can do.
0: We know it's not perfect, right. but we tried." So what's Ta- what's Toyota going to do with the new Tacoma? We know it's going to be a hybrid, but then it's almost like, man, they could have really made a statement by saying, "Look, we're going to be the first ev mid-sized truck in the united states yeah but they wouldn't they would never do they would never do that no because and,
1: i think they're maybe afraid of losing their buyers which they wouldn't because they would continue right. to make the gas one it doesn't right. matter if you they're, they're selling a quarter million of those a year if you sold yeah. five thousand ev tacomas yeah. that's not going to take away from line space down in texas like you know this, like
0: this right in this 2025 ram 1500 revolution the the rev isn't going to be the only ram on sale in 2025 no. no no ram hasn't talked about the the you know the updated gas trucks but they're gonna have updated gas trucks yeah you know cobalt's already been clear like uh yeah we're selling other stuff so you, you don't have you can make a big splash with your evs but you can still sell the other stuff and you're right why doesn't why doesn't our friends at toyota know this like they haven't figured this out i I don't we we were talking a little bit off um off the live mic a little earlier about well, a lot about Star Trek but then a little <laughs> bit about um you know sort of culture and I I don't know if it's it, it it feels like North America to like a Toyota is like okay this is the market where we're going to sell our high volume high margin vehicles we're going to make the money there um but you know we're going to play it safe and it's not a
1: market for um what's what's the word uh i can't i can't think of it now not insight but um not evolution but uh i guess it's not a market for experimentation it's it's not a market for bringing for for bringing the latest technology to bear it's like you said it's it's like a a checking account where they go in and they write themselves a check every year because they know they can sell this many corollas this many camrys this many tacomas
0: well and you know i i'm gonna apologize to your audience here but like Elizabeth Shelby, you know, comes on and gives Riker a lot of crap because Riker <laughs> likes to play it safe. He's like he even says, You're damn right I play it safe with this ship and and Shelby is like, rest in peace. Um but like it is like you know if you can't make the big decisions, get out of my way, make way for whatever. And like the the it feels like the Japanese automakers are sort of that way. They're like, look, we're gonna play it safe. This is what we we're accustomed to. Um, you know, we know our audience likes this, whatever. And now there's there that puts them in a position of vulnerability. For and sure. and I don't know if they realize they're in that position of vulnerability um maybe they're not maybe there's enough toyota buyers and enough honda buyers that will just buy them because that's what they've had before that that our argument is academic but and, I'm, not, and, I'm not entirely sure if it is though and
1: i'm not entirely sure either and the sad thing is i mean i, I th- these companies were not always like this and in order to make headway in the american market in the 80s and mm-hmm. the late 70s, they had to take a lot of risks and they brought over a whole bunch of cars that didn't work trying to find the ones that did, yes. you know, like they tried a whole bunch. of. There's so many um, strange, inappropriate, not popular Japanese cars from the early 80s that didn't survive until the 90s, but they... They were here because they were testing it out. They were trying to see what Americans would buy. And then yep. when they figured that out, they doubled down on it. But they didn't stop trying new things. I mean, we still got cars like the MR2 into, yes. the, into the the late 80s and the 90s. We mm-hmm. still got um, the, the S2000, which is a car no one was asking for
0: when well, that came the, out. The three-door Civic Si that had the weird hat shape. I forget which model that was. But like, <laughs> yeah? yeah, well, maybe that one didn't work. So, but but well, they tried but, it. They brought yeah. these
1: cars out. And they... That spirit of adventure, you, you know, it's like, I guess the longer a company is in operation, the more it knows where its money is coming from, the less yeah. risk it wants to take to upset the apple cart where where all the tasty apples are, just to show yeah. you a few a few cool colored apples down at the bottom. Like, oh, we normally sell red apples, but we got these bright green apples that are pretty neat, yeah. but only we're only going to sell them in the domestic market because the risk is much lower.
0: But then I look at Ford and I look at the Lightning and... That, that is where their money comes from. F-150 is where Ford's money comes from. Yeah. That's the apple cart. And they're like, guess what? It's not always going to be gas powered. So let's, let's spend the money. Let's take, quote unquote, take the risk now. Like, that is an excellent point. And it, it, it's, it appears to be working for them. It, it certainly
1: hasn't slowed down sales of gas powered
0: F-150s. No, not at all. And you mentioned earlier it hasn't slowed down sales of gas-powered uh, Hyundai Motor stuff. No, it hasn't. It it simply hasn't. And maybe the Ionic Six, which I like a lot, maybe that is a car that just fails. Maybe it flops. Maybe, but they're taking the risk. They're 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 trying. And, and, and Hyundai's not afraid of cars that fail. I mean,
1: look at the Veloster. Yep. Veloster was a weird experiment that went on for a long time. Yep. And it, you start, if you go back in time a little bit before the Veloster came out and you look at Toyota's weird experiment, which was mm. um, essentially um, Scion. They
0: oh yes they yeah.
1: they gave up on that very quickly they they, they they came out with like you know a good five solid years of weird cars that were yeah. unusual and then they were like hmm this isn't going so well let's blandify everything and just make it more Toyotas but with a Scion badge on them
0: and, and they didn't and what they did is they just didn't give it enough time to bake no and that like the XB they started with the weirdest one which was the XB okay. and it. I mean, that's the one
1: we all remember now. That's, yeah, it, that's it is, Scion it is. in everyone's eyes. Yes.
0: And, you know, I, I feel the same way a little bit about Nissan with um, the Cube, probably a little early ahead of its time. But like just weird, like and I know that the Japanese can be weird. I've seen comics, but um, like where is like where is that and why is it the Koreans and in some cases the Americans, why is it them doing it? Maybe that's just the way things are going to be in the future. And then I'm, you know, as an independent automotive, you know, expert, whatever, like, I mean, I guess I don't really care who wins at the end, but it is really surprising to, to feel like that I'm on, that, that we're sort of on the cusp of what this this ultimate change over to electrification is. It is happening. Yeah. I mean, I know most of your audience believes that at this point. But, like, there's too much money involved. They're pot committed. And yeah. this is happening. And it, it, it feels like some automakers haven't realized that yet. And, yeah, maybe ten years from now, maybe Toyota will have a whole fleet of EVs, and and I'll be made to look like a chump. But
1: and and you know, even when a couple, couple last couple of points I wanted to make before I wrap things up. Um, mm-hmm. e- even as we get more and more of these EVs, even as the world is, as you said, committed to these expenditures to bring these cars to market, I'm still going to have. You know, my 40-year-old yep. cars in my garage, I'm still going to have my 20-year-old cars in my garage, and I'm still going to drive them. And that's true of every enthusiast who's out there right now yeah. who loves cars. They're going to keep driving the cars that they want to drive, yep. regardless of the existence of other cars they don't want to drive. And it's always been that way. Yes. And we're not really threatened by this. But the the the, the point I wanted to make, though, is um, – aside from the individual side, on the business side of the equation. When you look at the the European companies, which we haven't talked about too much, we talked about kind of how Mercedes is messing things up from a styling, you know, just going all in on the blandness of aero. But there is one European company that has been willing to be weird over the last 15 years, and that's BMW. Mm -hmm. And so this is a company that is kind of the last of the independent automakers out there. They're not part of any giant collective. They do make partnerships, but they're not wholly owned by anybody else out there and there are as a result they have to be careful when they make decisions because they can't be wrong um, all the time because it's just too expensive (laughs) yes it is. but this is also a company that is willing to bring out cars that fail that are weird like this is the i3 which came out um as essentially an affordable relatively affordable technological showcase and they had the i the i8 which is yep. a strange car that is yep. it looked like a supercar but did not perform like a supercar <laughs> and and because of that it's overlooked the, the fact that it was a really great plug-in yeah oh yeah for sure and but because it didn't drive like a Lamborghini it's something that is you know people they, see that as a failure
0: yeah and the I3 was great but I mean even design like you know we I know we make fun of grills now but like it the, there's they're so willing i mean have you seen the i7 like just
1: i i I, it's these are these are statements it's it's a company that's not afraid like it's crazy to look at the i7 beside the eqs right Like, these are similarly priced similar performance aimed at the same customer
0: and that customer is radically different (laughs) or the or the ix next to like the eqe SUV, like just so different and um and they still seem to be good to drive um i yeah. liked the i4 that i've driven i4 uh, i is, drove the is m50 quite good um i liked the ix m50 i didn't like the m60 as much which is a little weird but um like these are they're interesting cars they're fun to drive they've got good tech um they're they're sort of they're adding flair to what mercedes seems to not be able to to do which and, is... and they're
1: doing that with far less resources
0: yes you know oh, absolutely and
1: it's it's like if a company like bmw can do this but mercedes is unwilling to toyota is unwilling to i get that hyundai has money to burn and they can just do this in all day <laughs> indefinitely because they have so many other industries that they're running at the same sure. time you know they they're 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 galaxy branding their car business but right. like bmw does not have that luxury no and and yet they're able to come out with compelling products that are unlike those of the competition and I th- I think that's laudable, and I think it's going to serve them well moving forward because it's super hard to be in this space that they're in, uh, in terms of the size of their company uh, at- up against these giants. When it- when you're looking at the massive capital expenditures that are required to engineer these battery powered vehicles and to build them l- after you've designed them.
0: Yeah, of the German luxury brands, I mean, I like I like the Porsche Taycan a lot, but if you if you kind of drop out of Porsche range, I'm buying a BMW EV. Out of the three, out of Audi, Mercedes, or BMW, like I'm buying the BMW every single time, and they're doing and,
1: it while also building really great plugins.
0: Yes, for some, oh, of, yes. for some of yes. their their, their model lineup,
1: and and not at all. Um, this is also, I mean, maybe it's a bit controversial to say, but you look at the compromises that AMG has had to make for some of their models, you know, going to the Mm -hmm. whole four-cylinder thing, going to hybrids exclusively. BMW has managed to have a a robust plug-in and electric wing without compromising its gasoline-powered cars in the eyes of its customers, especially not M. I think they managed to broaden M to mean a lot of things. But even if you're looking at the hardcore M uh, buyers, they just brought out an M2 that's not electrified. Right, you know, and that worked for them, and it doesn't throw their li- their their lineup out of balance because they have electrification where it counts.
0: Right, and then they have this bonkers XM, um, which I keep thinking is <laughs> satellite radio, but like you know, especially now with the one with the red lipstick, like I, I just. Uh, which which I don't find it to be an attractive car at all, but man, it looks like something. Like you look at it and you get a you a have reaction. Bad feelings. Yeah, you have a and, reaction. <laughs> and one thing I'd like to articulate with your audience just about design because I how important that I think it is is designers want you to love their car. They want you to look at their car and and find it attractive. But they're okay if you look at it and you're revulsed, revolted by it. Like, if you turn around and, and and throw up, like, they would much rather you do that than say, eh. Yeah, meh, they, what, they, they what, so they, what they fear the most
1: is indifference.
0: Yes. And I think that, you know, BMW is trying to avoid the indifference. Uh, the Hyundai motor is trying to, for the most part, avoid the indifference. Um. Yeah. Ford's doing kind of their own thing, but like, just they're, they're all doing stuff that's interesting. I mean, this new Polestar has a, a, a s- no rear glass window. Oh like, We do not have time to get into <laughs> how, did.
1: how bad of an idea that is. Um, And, and, and an example and of, I think sometimes designers forget that human beings <laughs> drive cars. So like, <laughs> yes.
0: yeah, but, but, you know, like in, in you know, when, when Tesla first came out with the Model S, it was, an, I mean, I still think it's an attractive looking car, but it was, it was sort of like, uh just this this crazy concept of like oh this is a beautiful looking car and even the model 3 when it first came out was decently attractive now that you see so many of them and they haven't really updated the design then you know maybe it aged well but that they also look like they're not necessarily willing to do design that's interesting it, it almost um, it
1: almost feels like i don't know if they're unwilling but maybe incapable
0: yeah they may not have the resource money. wise yeah, yeah um and it's it really is such a fascinating time i think to cover this industry and i know that it, in some ways we're early and i want your audience to understand that too i believe we are early i don't think we're going to hit automaker projections in terms of ev adoption or anything like i think it's yeah. going to be a slower process quicker in europe quicker in china but um you but know it, it's, still... not,
1: it's not going to be like self-driving cars though it is going to happen
0: yeah, yeah. oh yes yeah it it's not the same
1: type of trajectory that we're seeing technologically
0: correct um, and sort of on that, I guess bombshell, <laughs> Ben, we didn't talk about where people can find your work <laughs> and at the beginning, I realized that's the one thing I didn't ask you
1: i I think people know where to find my work by now. um, but i I want to thank each other. This has been a really great episode. I know it's a little bit outside the box of what we normally do,
0: he, but he's I'm really gonna... he's really not going to tell you where you can find his work
1: <laughs> i i i I really enjoyed this conversation.
0: No, and I you know, and full disclosure to the audience coming in, It's like, hey, we wanted to talk about the ionic six, which I think we did. I think we gave yeah, it. I think we there's some, there, there's some new features and stuff that I think that you'll talk about when you get the car in a couple of weeks that are definitely worth that are definitely worth talking about. Um but you know, I you know, we sort of naturally started with the sufficiency sort of question and why yeah. why some automakers are just better at it. And then I think ultimately it comes down to what companies are willing to risk and what um you know how how much they want to sort of invest and i think that ford's willing to risk quite a bit um hyundai Motors is willing to invest and risk and um you know the maybe toyota's that that player at the poker table who you know folds every hand and you know grinds it out yeah they stay they stay in the game
1: but you know there's no that forward forward momentum and the stack of chips in front of them isn't getting any bigger than
0: it already is i forget the guy in rounders but the one that (laughs) owns that owns the truck pay
1: the man his money
0: no 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 that's 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 the kgb guy which which in some ways i, I don't know who that maybe this is a bad analogy ultimately but i don't know if round i don't know how many good analogies we can pull from the life lessons of rounders except
1: maybe don't play poker professionally uh in the underground that would be the, and, and I mean, who don't, knows if and, you're doing that right now successfully but and, and don't cheat cops yeah they'll
0: beat they'll beat the crap out we've you, all read molly's but, game so like it's not oh and that is actually that's so good and it's also a good sorkin movie movie yeah sarkin can can be a little hit on this in some things but it was a very good almost
1: he it's one of the movies where he like i think dialed it back and was like okay human (laughs) beings speak a certain way and i've got to kind of align myself with that dialogue level now It can't it can't be entirely performative
0: (laughs) right but but i mean some of these automakers are going all in and i think in the case of like hyundai as a collective group i mean i think they've got a really solid hand Know, to keep the poker analogy going, sure. um, sure. you know, I think Ford Ford has a huge advantage by being early on a lot of these things. If GM can figure their Ultium stuff out and can bring us some more affordable EVs. Like, that's the thing about China right now is they're launching all of these affordable EVs. But they're all these small kind of cars that Americans have just decided they didn't want to buy. I worry that we're going to start creating cars that there's just a whole group of people that can't afford that also don't live somewhere where there's affordable mass transit. Yeah. Affordable, reliable mass transit. And that's man, that's a podcast in itself. But and that's and
1: that's, you know, we start to get into um infrastructure questions, urban planning questions, and uh realizing that we can't just you know, in the past we've been able to just build roads and houses to those ro- build houses and then build roads to those houses and not worry about the rest yep. you know and now that's not i mean that was never really a viable strategy but now it's really the, yep. that's come home to roost as problematic in so many yep. ways
0: average ev transaction cost at the end of March was uh, sixty one 000 us and that's a um, lot of money it's a lot of money so um i'm super thrilled to have come back on um i i could never i could never fill sammy's shoes nor (laughs) would i nor would i try um but. I'm sure
1: he's listening right now in Jordan with a smile on his face I, as I don't. the suns. I don't know what the time difference is, but I'm imagining the sun's going down and he's just content. And
0: <laughs> is, is there like a dual, is it like Tatooine in Jordan? Like, is there a dual sunset? I think they and, filmed
1: a lot and... of sci-fi in the Jordan uh, area because jo- jo- Jordan's various, uh, various s- settings serve certain planet settings quite well. I,
0: I believe so. And, and also you know, in Morocco is, is yes. also a typical sort of place to go. I, I mean, I've been to Morocco. It's beautiful. I'd love to go to Jordan. Um, well, you uh, you yeah. know you know
1: you have a place to stay. You just got to time I, it. Just I, gotta time I just got to time it right.
0: I just got to time it right. Um, but also to finish my Sammy role, Ben, what are you going to talk about next week?
1: Oh, next week. So this podcast is. Uh, I'm trying to think of exactly when this is going to come out because we're recording this one a little bit out of sequence. Um, okay. But I believe next week I'm either going to be talking about the RX 350h from Lexus or the uh, Toyota Sequoia TRD
0: Hybrid. So that's uh,
1: that, that's, a cho- that's a couple of choices.
0: That's a, those, those are choice. That's a choice. That's yeah. a
1: choice. And also the Lightning might be in the mix there, but it's not going to be a typical Lightning review. So that that's going to be an. I'm going to do something a little fun with that. Um, that I'm actually going to be asking you some questions about off mic chat. So um, everyone, thank you for listening. If you would like to find out more about how Chad runs his media empire, you can go to evpulse.com and there's a lot of great stuff there to go through. There's a lot of very cool people who work with Chad. A few of them we've mentioned on this show so far today, but it, it is a fantastic resource for everything that plugs in and everything that might plug in in the future. Um, if you want to find out more about Unnamed Automotive Podcast, go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can reach out to us there by typing into our submissions form, clicking submit, and it shows up in the inbox. You can find me on Instagram if you'd rather do it on social media, at Hunting Benjamin Chad, if people want to get in touch with you on Twitter, is that the best way to do it? Or? Um uh, yeah
0: these days who knows? today i don't know um (laughs) it's i'm just my i'm just my name on twitter it's at chad kirschner um which it's k-i-r-c-h-n-e-r um you know go to evpulse.com uh do me a real solid maybe subscribe to the channel leave some comments there there's actually we've got some dedicated youtube followers at this point that are actually really enjoyable to talk to nice um which kind of goes against the trend of youtube commenters so (laughs) um and then if you want to reach out to sammy he's on twitter at sammy underscore ha like your laughing
1: send him a message say hope you're having a great vacation sammy thank you for taking the time off and taking care of yourself uh and thank you everyone for listening i'll talk to you soon bye